welcome to the Kramer Fellows podcast and welcome back Matt <laughs> to the podcast. Um, Matt was uh, away in Africa um, and now he's back away for three weeks. Close to just like two or three days less than three weeks. But yeah, it was a, little, it was a while. How are you feeling? Good. I mean, we a little jet lag still. It was like a, a seven hour difference. They're seven hours ahead of us. So right now it feels like it's nighttime and Anne and I are waking up in the morning like at 2 a.m. So, so oh, no. yeah, I know we, we just need to bite the bullet, make ourselves stay up at the, I mean, stay awake for the regular times in America, but we haven't done that yet. So, <laughs> so. I saw on your Facebook, you got to go see Mount Kilimanjaro and all the lions, the lions everywhere walking. Just yeah, <laughs> it was pretty amazing that there's a, a game park right at the foot of, of Mount Kilimanjaro called Ambicelli. And they, it's famous for its elephants. They have a massive herd of elephant, herds of elephants there, there actually. Um, and they have two or three prides of lions. You, it's hard to, those are more elusive, but our guide knew what he was doing. So we were able to track them down. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it, Anne's parents were really gracious and had this trip planned for us. We didn't know about it even until we got there. So, Yeah, and if you're listening, um, yeah, Matt and Anne did not, just go over to Africa just to <laughs> go on safaris. Uh, they they did go really for two two reasons to go and see the school that we we support um, over there in Africa. Uh, but then the central reason really being to attend GAFCON. Now GAFCON, if you don't know, stands for Global Anglican Future Conference. Started in two thousand eight, and this was the fourth conference in uh, Kigali, Rwanda, and one of colossal importance. And so we're going to talk about that today, but I should preface um, before I say anything else, uh, we have people listening to this who aren't Anglican um, and are about to hear a bunch of Anglican stuff. And, and what we're going to talk about is uh, specific to Anglicanism, but um, it has um, uh, farther reaching implications and, and applications. So everything we're going to talk about, whether uh, you're an Anglican or not, I think is is it would be very important to hear and um, and has uh, a lot of bearing on I think the church worldwide. I mean, the, the Anglican communion is one of the first to have to engage with the the new think the new thinking on sexuality. It's now just taking hold in evangelicalism. But we fought this. We had to fight this battle uh, maybe a decade before anyone in evangelicalism really had that on the radar. That's a good point. Yeah. And so with that said, I've titled this episode uh, The Future of Anglicanism because it seems like what has come out of GAFCON 4 and expressed in uh, the Kigali commitment, which we will talk about, really charts the way forward for Anglicans in the modern age. But it also I think, uh, serves as a, a helpful example to other other denominations, other other traditions. GAFCON was born because the future of Anglicanism seemed to be in jeopardy. Uh, and it really looks like God's using the work of GAFCON to keep Anglicanism orthodox, which is pretty, pretty great to see. Uh, but we should talk about GAFCON, uh, why it started, and why this commitment that came out of Kigali um, matters, what it means for us today and, and Christians in the future. One thing that uh, the the new generation of leaders, including myself, lack is experience 
in fighting the uh, the wars that you and and many others have had to fight and that brought GAFCON about. Um, for for many people, including myself, this is our first real exposure to GAFCON. Though I mean, I had to sign on to the Jerusalem Declaration for a nation and all that, so I had to do some study. But this is the first one uh, that I was paying attention to. Um, and so we need people like you and and others to to really pass along the history of it, uh, really pass along the, the history of um, that fight so that we can carry it forward, right? And, and, and what does it look like to be an Anglican Christian from here on out? Um, so can we start at the beginning? Why was GAFCON started? Man, I've heard really old now. <laughs> So, so before before you kick over and die, pass on this information to us. <laughs> <laughs> I put a dredge out, I mean. <laughs> out of my gray cells. Um, so so no, the first GAFCON was, was in 2008. Um, Ann and I both were were fortunate enough to attend. I wasn't a delegate, neither was Ann. We attended as I attended as a a, a, a correspondent for Stan Firm. At, the, at that time, Stan Firm had the money to send uh, send us all around the world if we wanted to. to to cover things. Hmm. And so I was there kind of covering that for Stan, um, for Stan firm. And, uh, it was, a, a, an amazing event. It was in Jerusalem. The reason it, the reason that first meeting was called was because from 2003, when Gene Robinson was consecrated and, and most of you guys, most of the people hearing this know who Gene Robinson is, he's a partner gay man or, or was partnered. He divorced his I'm not sure if he's called divorce, but he separated from his partner a while back. But he was consecrated as a bishop in the Diocese of New Hampshire in the Episcopal Church. And that provoked the crisis in the communion. And uh, up to 2008, the, the Orthodox primates in the communion had been working toward some kind of intercommunion discipline for the Episcopal Church. And there had been pressure being put um, at the primates meetings for the Archbishop of Canterbury to, to actively discipline the Episcopal Church. And the way that would have happened, I and mean, we don't, the Archbishop is not a pope, he doesn't, he can't just excommunicate people, but what he can do is he has the power of invitation. Um, the, the participation in the communion is a function of participating or of, of being invited to and attending the 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 various meetings of the communion the the Lambeth conference which which happens once every ten years every bishop in the Anglican communion is invited um, the primates meeting which is a gathering of all the 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 the, the head bishops or archbishops uh, called a, one person called a primate he's either a bishop or an archbishop who leads an entire province the the primates meeting um, if, in being invited to those two things as well as the uh, the Anglican Consultative Council as a province being invited to those three things by the Archbishop of Canterbury signals or indicates your, your membership, your participation in the communion. So the Archbishop was being pressured, uh, rightly so, by the Orthodox primates to disinvite the Episcopal Church and the bishops from the Episcopal Church to these meetings. And uh, it, it seemed up until about 2007 that that might actually happen. Um, in 2007, the primates met in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, and we they came out with a statement, a communique, 
that indicated that the Archbishop was going to take action. This was Archbishop Rowan Williams. This is before Justin Welby was um, was around. And one of the one of the fatal flaws of the Anglican communion, communion system is that when you when you get a lot of of uh, bishops together or primates together, and they agree on something, well, the 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 question is who's going to enforce that, and how is that going to how is that going to be fleshed out? And so, as soon as the primates departed from Dar es Salaam, the Archbishop of Canterbury just did what he wanted to do, and he he never he 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 never. He, although he made some agreements verbally and on paper in Tanzania, he was clearly not committed to those agreements. Um, so as soon as he got back to England, nothing happened, um, and and it came. That was that was kind of the the precipitating that inaction was a precipitating precipitating thing that led the primates to say, okay, we've got to take some action ourselves, and and so they called the first Global Anglican Futures Conference to talk about what what the communion might become, what it might look like in the future. Uh, that was also uh, there was a they were kind of holding off at that point. Uh, on you know, when when Gene Robinson was consecrated, a lot of Episcopal churches left the Episcopal Church, ours included, and we all sought Episcopal coverage from Global South uh, provinces that were Orthodox. Uh, at that time, we were we were resident in Kenya, and which with me we lived in Kenya. Our Kenya was our oversight overseeing province. And the the question had been leading up to 2007, 2008, what are we going to do with these churches that have left the Episcopal Church? Are they going to are they going to form a new province? Or if discipline is successful, can we successfully get, uh, move in such a way that the Archbishop of Canterbury recognizes Orthodox churches and de-recognizes the heterodox ones? Um, so it turned out after 2007, everyone realized, okay, the, there's no, the, the Archbishop is not, is not going to do anything like that. So we've got to form, the, the Primates decided, we've got to form a province in North America for these churches that have left the Episcopal Church. And so another purpose of the 2008 meeting was to, was to, to launch or to initiate the Anglican Church in North America. The majority of primates that met then, that first meeting in 2007, before the Lambeth Conference, was it a majority of primates that then uh, created GAFCON, or like, or like brought 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 together that conference in Jerusalem? In two thousand and seven, there was a regular primates meeting of the communion in Dar es Salaam. Like, so all, a lot of the primates were there, and they came out with a statement that which that would have been good for establishing a disciplinary program that would that would have that would have um, sufficiently restored orthodoxy in the communion. I think. If it had been followed to the letter, when it wasn't followed, then then some of the primates, not all of them, maybe not even the majority, but those representing the more majority. So, for I think there's like 39, 40 something primates right now in the communion. Only 11 were at Kigali, but they represent 85 percent of the communion. So, so um, oh, wow. because you have like Scotland and Ireland and England and the U.S., those are all primates, but they have like minuscule, minuscule worshiping uh, people worshiping uh, populations so um 
so I'm not sure exactly how many were uh, were there at the fur or who, who were, were part and part of calling this first GAFCON meeting, but it was the majority of the communion definitely was represented there. So then, um, was it happening that first GAFCON happening um, uh, in the same year that that Lambeth conference? Yeah, in fact, I flew. I went to the I went to the Lambeth GAFCON first, and then Anne went home, and I flew to the to the Lambeth conference to cover that and stayed in Canterbury for two weeks. So it was right afterwards. Wow. Um, so what came out of that first meeting, that first GAFCON? Well, again, the, uh, the, the biggest thing internationally, I think, and the most lasting, well, not most, but maybe, uh, maybe the, the most internationally lasting thing has been the Jerusalem Decla- Declaration, which has become kind of the foundational document for all of those provinces that are aligning themselves with GAFCON. Um, and I, the reason I hesitated a minute, a minute ago because 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 the Anglican Church of North America also came out of that first GAFCON, and I think that's going to last a long time too. But um, but that's a national thing, not an international thing. But the but the Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Declaration is was it was a little bit like the Kigali statement or, commu- or commitment um, in that it was a uh, it was drafted there, it was voted on by all the delegates. It was put forward there as as a new a new beginning for for Anglicanism, and uh, like in if you read the document, it is it, it affirms our form, original formularies. It, it it clearly and explicitly spells out what what orthodoxy is with regard to marriage, um, which is what needed to be done, as well as affirming traditionally Anglican orthodoxy. You have two uh, two more. Uh, time. They meet every five years. It is GAFCON. GAFCON meets every years. five years. Yes. Okay. Um, did you? You didn't go to the other ones, right? The other two. Oh, I went to. I went to the one that met in Jerusalem in 2018, and I went to this one. I didn't go to the one that met in Nairobi in 2000. And uh, that would be what's five plus eight. <laughs> Thirteen. <laughs> 2013. Right. I didn't go. I didn't go to that one, um, but I went to the others. So, uh, what was that other one in Jerusalem like? I went there as a delegate for the Diocese of the Living Word, um, and that you know it was it was it was kind of a, a holding pattern. We were going the, the the commitment was to meet every five years, and so we met every five years. But there wasn't there was no pre- presenting pressing issue at that at that meeting, so there wasn't a lot of tension, a lot of a lot of uh, energy and electricity like there was at Kigali. The the statement. It was put out after that was dealing with a number of issues, but it wasn't um, it wasn't as uh, transitional as the one after Kigali. Uh, you did see at that conference some began the beginnings of of formulating uh, structures for a new or at least a reset communion. So that, that people were already people were thinking along those lines back in two thousand and eight. But in 2018, you had the beginning, you know, the early formations of, of worldwide structures that could, if need be, form the early seeds of a new communion. Can you explain to me what the Anglican communion is, like the, what, what that word means? Is it just all Anglicans? Just no, no, no. Like you can be, you can be an Anglican without being part of the Anglican Communion. So the Anglican Communion, uh, as 
as it's understood as a as an entity, is is made up of all those provinces in full communion with the Archbishop of Canterbury. So, so the Archbishop of Canterbury is the historic see or seat of 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 authority. And as I said, the structures, the way this communion is structured is around four instruments of union, or instruments of unity. And the Archbishop is one of them. The Primates meeting is a second one. The Lambeth Conference is a third one. And the Anglican Consultative Council is a fourth one. And your participation in those meetings is the sign and outward visible sign of your, of your, of your membership in the communion as a province. But being in communion with someone means you're just in spiritual union with uh, with a person or an entity or, a, or the church. The question has always been: I mean, do we uh, the ACNA? We I'm glad that we have never been part of the Anglican Communion. We've never been invited as uh, our primates never been invited to the primates meeting as a full member. He's gone, but he hasn't been gone going as a, a member of the communion. Um, our bishops have not been invited to Lambeth. Our our delegates haven't been invited to the Anglican Consult of the Council, and for all that, thanks be to God, especially what, since what happened in February. There have been some people in the ACNA who have been wanting to be part of the Anglican Communion, but um, I'm glad they've they've not succeeded because it's a quick way to be subverted. Um, if for at least at least for churches in the West, it's an easy way to be. Um, sucked in and have your orthodoxy sucked out. <laughs> so you said that in the last the uh, in Gafcon three that also met in Jerusalem, uh, there started to be some talk about reshaping the communion. Did that uh, over these past five years? I'm I'm guessing has that just been in uh, conversations between primates and thinking about how that's going to look, and then. Uh, or, or have there been steps that I just haven't, I haven't, I haven't known about uh, before this GAFCON that kind of brought has been well, continuing. Yeah, on? I mean, there's a the executive committee was formed, um, which is the the uh, the organizational structure of the community of the of GAFCON began to have like administrative offices formed. Um, executive committee the council the legislature so looking more and more like a an actual body um that that began that had that that didn't just begin in 2018 but it took on more it took on more flesh in, in 2018 yeah there was you know part of that maybe i guess i said that it was kind of anticlimactic because there wasn't that much going on and and, and that's that's true uh, there's some uh, you know, minor just minor disappointments along the way right so so rowan williams uh, leaves the archbishopric and his replacement justin welby a lot of people had a high hopes for him because he came out of he came out of an evangelical church a charismatic evangelical church in england holy trinity brompton you might have heard of the alpha course um with uh, uh nikki gumbel uh he's the rector there and justin welby was his parishioner he was a you know convert and he was discipled in that church and i so maybe it's my suspicious nature but i've always been suspicious of that congregation and that church and that program um and and so when when justin welby was named as the new guy in 2012 i think it was uh 
there was hope. Oh, good. We, we've got an evangelical solid guy coming up to the, uh, to the sea and that's going to change everything. Well, I, I, did, I was still writing for Stan Firm at the time. And so I did some research and I looked back on some things that, he, that he'd been writing as Bishop. And he wrote an article for, um, for the Virgin diocese of Virginia news newsletter, or at least it was reprinted there. I think he, I think he actually wrote it for that newsletter. But in that article, he was saying, look, you know, we, we, we can agree to disagree about sexuality. Um, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And some people are going to be affirming, some people are going to be affirming, and that's totally fine. The main thing is, do we believe in Jesus? And we, can we, can we, can we say the creeds? So I, I posted that article and I said, this guy's not, <laughs> this guy's not, we're not going to be able to trust him. And uh, even then, though, people were mad that, oh, you know, stop, stop being so negative. <laughs> so, uh, but it turned out, you know, he, he did exactly what he had been doing. He, he that, that's been his stance from the beginning is that this is a, this is an in-house debate. Christians can debate. The question of sexuality, we don't have to divide over it. So looking for this guy to do any kind of any kind of substantive discipline was a was always uh, uh, it wasn't gonna happen. And so by the time 2018 rolls around, people were very disappointed by that. And so I think that was maybe behind what the the restructuring that was going on. It's bizarre to me because I've uh, I've read a few things now from uh some bishops and archbishops uh, in over in England, and um, as a response to the Kigali commitment, and it is a lot of arguments saying you, it's okay to debate these things. We debate these things. We don't divide over them. We debate over them in in good in in love. And I'm just thinking the whole time. I read this one where this guy was uh, he was making the case that that's what Paul did in Galatians. Like, did he That's miss the first chapter? Paul did in Galatians. He, did he miss, yeah. I, I don't remember. Like in in Galatians, it's it, like Paul doesn't invite people who get the gospel wrong to a conversation and to a debate. I mean, he curses them. Uh, so it's just it's just bizarre to me where when you know, I think uh, whenever people say that, and leaders will talk about how you know. We can have a, a good faith conversation about this, but we don't have to split over it. Like, and then I just like, well, what do we split over? Like, what exactly? I mean, is it the creed? Well, we can go to the creed and and look at how this does not fit orthodoxy, and 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 this and this perverts the gospel that you say in the creed. You're not making the connection. Um, so it's just bizarre to me. And so well, one of the things, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I mean, I your your background is. Uh, what is it, charismatic Baptist? Uh, both Baptist. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of things that Anglican leaders say to English people, um, and that Episcopalian leaders say to Episcopalian people, could never fly for a second in your in the places where you come from, because in general, the places where you come from, people know the Bible, or they have at least better Bible knowledge than the average Anglican. So, the average Anglican in England, the average Episcopalian in America, has zero. I mean, <laughs> just very, 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 very little biblical knowledge. So a bishop can pull out, oh, well, in Galatians, Paul says we should all get along with one another. No one's going to check him. It doesn't matter. He can he can literally say whatever he wants and and no one will check him. And, and it may be that he actually thinks he's he's right because he's not studying the scriptures. He's not, he's reading, he's reading radical scholars. He's, 
he's reading uh or she's reading now so in england it could be she she's reading um you know, you know, radical feminist queer theorists. So, so, so they don't, they don't know the Bible. They know, they know maybe liberation theology takes on the Bible. They know feminist theology takes on the Bible. They don't know it well enough to quote it very well. Uh, you'd be surprised how ignorant people, even in Episcopal office are people educate otherwise very well educated people, people from Oxford and Cambridge and other, and other places who just do not understand what anything means between Genesis and Revelation. Well, and that leads to uh, the, uh, one of the primary problems too, is you, you, you may find people um, I, I would assume, well, even, even if they, even if they would uh, deny this people who have denied the, uh, the uh, um, authority of God's word, um, sufficiency of God's word, um, and uh, whether they even with, you know, people who would say, well, no, like that's a church doctrine. I hold to that. You see it in how they, well, how they uh, subvert its teachings and and uh, say that we don't have to divide over uh, questions yeah. about sexuality. <laughs> Jesus really wanted everyone to be together. He, 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 but yeah. Jesus' main thing was he wanted everyone to be nice to each other. And to eat at the table together and have have fellowship and no one to be there. He wanted right. the church to be without walls, without any kind of separation, and all inclusive and affirming. And that's what Jesus wanted. And you can find that in Galatians one. Yeah, you can. Well, and after all, Jesus never said the word homosexuality, so he probably right. didn't even know it existed. Right, right. right. Exactly. Um, and uh, so, therefore, uh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, out of twenty nineteen, not too much happens, but you, but there is, but there is a sort of a pathway okay we're we're going somewhere like we're, we're we're thinking through how to maybe reshape the communion coming up to this gafcon uh what happens um and uh what what was so what was so important about this gafcon in kigali so the church of england which is again the hub church so if if, if communion membership and communion legitimacy is bestowed by the church of england that means the church of england is the central central thing so the bishops of the church of england and the, i guess the whole church has been studying the question of sexuality since 2017 and you know i mean when when anyone starts studying you know a core di- a core piece of the christian thing hmm. you know you can know did god things. actually say <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly so um, always watch out when Anglicans start studying things or entering into holy conversation <laughs> or having dialogues or anything like that. That just means they're going to change something to, uh, you know, fundamental to the faith. Um, so they start studying and everyone's kind of been waiting to see what's going to happen. And then in February, it turns out that the bishops uh, have uh, pr- approved or have been uh, you know, told the synod that... Um, they're going to go ahead and put forward prayers to bless people in same-sex, civil same-sex unions or civil marriages without regard to whether or not they're having sex in those marriages. Now, that's an interesting thing because earlier the line had been um, in the Church of England, uh, you can uh, you can have civil partnerships, you can have uh, yeah, civil partnerships between people with same sex, just you got to, if you're a clergy person, you just got to swear that you're not having sexual relationships with them. So, you know, you know, you can, you can live with each other and like have all kinds of 
romantic feelings for each other, but we're just you just need to tell your bishop you're not going to be having sex. Which, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just it's just I'm trying to find a word that isn't going to be have to be censored here. So, 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 so for that, I, kind of I can range. add a beep in there if you want. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, all uh, by the the, the 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 new thing about this in February is that it was it was first not just talking about clergy it's talking about anybody so uh, if you're if you're an English subject then you automatically have rights to baptism burial marriage in the Church of England and and so the this made it also uh, this the bishops also want to make it a kind of a right for you to come and be blessed in your relationship with another person of the same sex um, regardless of whether you're having sex with them or not um, so that's a huge that's a huge step and if you read the if you read the prayers the bishops put forward it this is very much like marriage it's it's the, the the language being employed is the language you use for a one flesh union between a man and a woman so that that was like a nuclear detonation in the communion because up to that point um some Global South primates have been holding out hope that you know as long as England remains orthodox, we have we have a communion. But if England has departed from the faith, like, which is what the Kigali statement says has happened, then we are no we are no longer we don't the central hub has has been has has gone away. We can't. There's nothing. There's no there there. So we we need to do something. I was reading a one response to the um, commitment. And uh, this archbishop was saying that we're not, no one has changed the doctrine of marriage. Um, <laughs> we haven't even passed these. Um, and I'm just reading it. I'm like, proposals for the blessing, the, the giving thanks to God yeah. for a same sex union are yeah. passed. Like, that should not even well, like you said, the, the the study should not even have happened. But that definitely should not yeah. have happened. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's just, it's just, it's just crazy to me. Like, oh no, you're right. We're not changing the doctrine of marriage. We're just seeing if maybe we can thank God for same sex unions. It's like, come on, the the doctrine of marriage is first off, you don't <laughs> you don't hold to that. Um, and uh, second, I mean, give it a few years, it's going to be, it'll be gone. Uh, GAFCON 4 to this guy, um, I mean, you know, just went overboard, right? Like a little too passionate about this, right? So, but what does, what did come out of GAFCON? So they respond, they responded to that, those proposals, um, but then they went, they go like further, like the commitment goes further. Yeah. I mean, so, so of course the English are trying to say the same they're all trying to defend themselves by saying well look we, we the marriage the doctrine of marriage is still intact you're right about that um they say you know we're not blessing the union we're blessing the people in the union but it, if you like you say the, the prayers the context is that they're in the union that's why you're they are the union right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not so like this union is just ethereal i mean kind of thing I know it's so yeah. you know it's really it's really cowardly if you're going to do that just stand up and say um, and say, yeah, we believe that these are good prayers and that these things should be blessed. Right. Don't don't pull that. And and the the way the bishops even kind of did an in run around the synod in England by using they have the authority to put forward prayers for 
uh, for various functions without having to ask the synod to go along. So, for example, if a king is going to be coronated, they can commission a prayer um, without having to ask the synod's per per uh, permission. That's the that's the legal route they took to approve these prayers without having to get synod approving them. They they just took that. So, so uh, it, a lot of a lot of shenanigans, legal shenanigans, were pulled to get these prayers put forward. And then once the backlash starts coming, they act shocked. You know, it's it's it, it's, it's, it's it's so tone deaf to me. These guys thought that the rest of the world would just take this lying down and would would and would just oh dear, well, looks like we're gonna have to agree to disagree. It, it, it seemed like they were caught flat-footed, not, not expecting the kind of response they got. They, they, and that just, it, it's so, it blows my mind. Where have these people been the last 20 years? So anyway, the, uh, so yeah, we got, coming into Kigali, the big question was, are we going to do, are Anglicans going to do what they're very good at doing? Even the Orthodox Anglicans are good at this. We are all very good. I, I, not not every single one of them, but Anglicans tend to be very, very good at churning out fudge. You, you come to a big moment where a decision is necessary. You got to take a stand. You got to say, here I stand. Uh, I can do no other like Martin Luther. And you come out with something like, well, we kind of think that maybe possibly one day this might be something we need to take action on. Um, and, but we really strongly we really strongly object to what the English church did. And we are very upset. And we're, we'll have to talk about this over crepits and tea later. Um, that's that's kind of what could have happened. And that's what often does happen when Anglican gets get together to talk. Um, there's always a risk coming into it, even no matter how mad people are coming into it, no matter how up in arms they are coming into a meeting like this, there's always a risk. You're going to come out with absolutely nothing. So um, the question was, are they just going to tut tut? Are they just going to say, oh, this is terrible? Or are they going to put forward some kind of commitment to act? Are they going to de-recognize Canterbury? Are they going to put the? Are they going to put in in motion at least um, the beginnings of a new uh, communion? Um, and if so, how is that going to look? Are they going to say what needs to be said about sexuality? That, that it's not just adiaphora. That it's something that is necessarily church dividing. And are they going to uh, talk about the role of the Bible with regard to with regard to the structures of communion? And th those are kind of the questions going in. And all of these questions were answered with a yes, which is remarkable. I, I, I've I've never, except for the first GAFCON, I've never seen anything like it ever in Anglican stuff. <laughs> so they say, or in the commitment, um, they say that they no longer. They don't recognize the instruments of communion to be that because they've not because they in themselves are bad instruments because they have failed. They're not, they haven't. Well, I liked the, the, the one sentence that remember that, that very clearly states that the communion uh, is built around orthodoxy. It's built around correct doctrine, not any archbishop. Um, yes. Which, is That's so huge. good. So yeah, like and, I mean, you said one of the instruments is the arch, the archbishop, right? Um, and then and then the others that follow. That is so good. And 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 it's it, yeah. You know, I didn't think about it, but it's it, it is kind of weird that that is not an instrument in the first place. You would think, I mean, right? Because I guess maybe it was just assumed 
in the Anglican communion? Or, or I think when the that? communion was first formed back in the 19th century, that of course they would have said, oh yeah, well, it goes right. without saying that the scriptures are our foundation. And this is just how we're ordering ourselves uh, underneath the authority of scripture. Mm-hmm. But, but of course that got lost yeah. you know, through the 20th century. And, and so the instruments of communion became the thing, right? So you, you've got, there were endless arguments in the last 20 years about um, how we just have to trust the instruments. We have, to, we have to trust God working through the instruments of communion because this is his church and he's going to work everything out. And, um, and yeah, you're right. The, 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 I love that first uh, paragraph. We have no confidence in the, there's a section that says the failure of the Archbishop of Canterbury and other instruments of communion. And they write, we have no confidence that the Archbishop of Canterbury nor the other instruments of communion led by him are able to provide a godly way forward that will be acceptable to those who are committed to truthfulness, clarity, the truthfulness, clarity, sufficiency, and authority of the scriptures. The instruments of communion have failed to maintain true communion based on the word of God and a shared faith in Jesus Christ, which is, that's what we need. That was exactly what needed to be said. And then the last line of that section is this, uh, these things render the archbishop's leadership role in the Anglican communion entirely indefensible, which is, yes, wonderful. And then, and then there's a call for repentance, and then it says, without apart from repentance in that section, uh, we consider that those who refuse to repent have abdicated their right to leadership within the Anglican communion, and we commit ourselves to working with Orthodox primates and other leaders to reset the communion on biblical foundations. That's exactly what needed to happen. Walk me through what that language reset means what exactly does that look like going forward? A lot of this sounds, it's interesting. A lot of this sounds like the uh, Protestant Reformation when, well, there was obviously a desire to reform the the church and not, not split from it. But then there was a, a there, ha, there came a time where the reformer said, we're not leaving the Catholic church. Rome, Rome has, Rome is. Um, and uh, it sounds very, much like that's kind of going on in, in Anglicanism. But what one thing that I um I thought when I when I first read it and heard it, um I was pretty I was just amazed by it because it it I don't even know how to describe it. It's 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 like the majority of Anglicans haven't divided or split, but they just sort of kicked out others who don't hold to the scripture. It's like how it reads, you're like, the communion is intact, but it's just they're then they're they're now these outliers that uh yeah that are it's kind of like <laughs> it reminds me of uh okay if you're lord of the ring the rings nerd this is like in return of the king when the you know, gandalf meets saruman and says your staff is broken and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah dismisses him yeah. right yeah <laughs> the thing so this is uh this is a little bit like justin Welby's staff was broken and yeah. his he's no longer in charge of the council. <laughs> so, yeah. That, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. But so like, okay, if the communion uh, was before um, sort of built on those instruments, how does, how do the leaders of, of GAFCON see that reshaping the resetting? Is it like reforming those instruments, getting new instruments? What, what do they think? So here's where there's gonna be a lot of debate and a lot of legal legal wrangling um there there has been a lot of fighting already in the communion in the last 20 years uh, leading up to this about 
we so so some people in the ACNA have said, well, our union with Nigeria and Uganda and Kenya means that we're in the Anglican Communion, even though we're not in communion with Canterbury. And I've always been saying, no, no, because we're not, because the communion is by definition <laughs> grounded in the Archbishop of Canterbury, right? So so there's going to have to be a lot of fighting right now, a lot of dis- disagreement and and wrangling about what it, what this means. Does this mean, are, are we calling ourselves the Anglican Communion and we're just like not recognizing the Archbishop of Canterbury? Is that what we're doing? If so, I mean, that's going to be, that's I think it's kind of the harder route because the laws governing names and who, this is legal stuff. It's not just, we declare you no longer, I, we don't have, we don't have, I don't know, I don't know that the, the, the primates at GAFCON have the legal authority to do that. So I kind of think what's going to have to happen if this is going to work, which I think, I'm, I'm, I believe it will, is uh, that we're going to have to have another entity altogether. And we'll have to call it something else, and um, and just say that this is this is the real Anglican Communion. We're just it's not the de- it's not the Anglican Communion TM official. Um, so, but I think that's how it's going to shake out. We're not. No one's really sure. It, it really has a lot to do with how the legalities are set up. It's not like it was in the Reformation. We could just you know, they're, 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 yeah. I'm not saying. Well, I guess I guess it is a little bit like that in the Reformation, in the sense that there's there is it's, it's a definitely definitely te- tectonic shifts. But uh, you know, the English are so they have been they have been colonizing for you know, a century or more, and they know how to deal with colonials. They know how to they know how to manip- manipulate. They know how to manipulate laws and rules and and bureaucracy. So a lot better than we do. They have they have just generations of experience in dealing with these kinds of things, and they're not for they're not going to give an inch. I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to go to the primates meeting, for example, and say we we we, we unrecognize you. It's not going to happen. So we really do have to have alternative structures set up, a separate entity, I believe, a new communion, call it the Anglican global Anglican communion or something like that, but just. It's got to be separate in order, in order to avoid those wrangling issues. It is crazy, though, because the vast majority of Anglicans are within this, right, this body now. Yeah. Um, it almost, like, I, I keep thinking of, like, if you're a boss and you are, like, demanding all your employees do something and 85% of them won't do it, what are you going to do? Fire them? <laughs> you're going to fire 85% <laughs> yes. of your workforce? So it's just, to me, I'm, like, just praying that, the the sheer force of the numbers would would uh that god might use that to bring the archbishop to repentance and to think oh you know what maybe i um maybe i need to do a little better at <laughs> leading god, the communion here's here's the majority yeah. of them i mean, i pray that happens I mean, god's able to to turn hearts and he he can use his word to do uh, do that and i believe or he, put in a new archbishop or something or put a new archbishop in yeah. um but my hopes are not, I mean, just on a human level, apart from divine intervention, I just, I just think he, I mean, watch the coronation. Yeah. On, on this coming Saturday. Watch, look at the pomp, the, the wealth, the power, the prestige, the, um, the pageantry, um, and especially the exalted place of the archbishop. And let, apart from God's grace and God's mercy on him, no one's going to want to give that up. 
I mean, you, no one's going to the, the, these bishops. No, this is why this is why bishops of places like York or the Archbishop of York or Durham or Bishop of Durham. Or, these these are historic churches and cathedrals that have been there for centuries. And they know if one of them happened to be Orthodox and take a stand, he would lose everything. So it's it's just, it's going to take God's grace for that to happen um, because it's not going to happen by human, <laughs> human yeah. ingenuity. Right. Well, well, we should give a shout out to Anne. Oh yeah. She was uh, a citizen Sunday, but yeah, she have, of all the of all the millions of people in Anglicanism or in, in the Anglican communion, or I guess we're not in the Anglican community, all the people in GavCon, uh, she was selected to be on the writing team. And I think it was a great choice. And um, I was super happy because I would have been dying, like just so anxious about what's going on. And as her husband, I got to have some kind of, <laughs> she didn't tell me state secrets, but I got to know how the thing was kind of going. And it was, um, and she, you know, one of 10 people in the room. So she was definitely influential. And if you're, we, we can really thank God that she was chosen because there are other Anglican, American Anglican writers who are not so solid, uh, women writers in particular, who could have been chosen, who are not so solid. Mm-hmm. So, but they chose Anne, I think voted well because she's so uh, solid in her faith. Um, but, the, but then there's a case for everyone else. So she was, uh, there were only two women. And I think there are only three or four Westerners. I'm not sure exactly the number, but most the majority were from Global South and Australia, which I guess could be considered Global South, but um, <laughs> but uh, they were kind of heading the thing up. We'll link the commitment in the show notes. Is there anything else? Anything else you want to say about about the trip? Uh, no, I mean just pray forward? for the. I mean pray for the primates who, who signed this because they're going to get a lot of pushback, and they're and they're, and, and some of them anyway are going to get a lot of pushback in their provinces. Not all of them. Uh, pray for the Kenyan Church, for example. The Kenyan Church did not send as many bishops as they did usually. I they sent a very small delegation to CAFCON, um, and bishops, oh, Elisa, Archbishop Olisa Pete, who's the, the primate there. Um, oh, you know it's. It's it's wobbling a little bit, and and here's here's the thing, and the last thing I'll leave I'll leave everyone with is that money is a big thing. We we are in America and in the West, we are just swimming in wealth, and we have even the poorest of us, we have no idea how poor how how impoverished things are in other parts of the world, and and so if you're a bishop in say Kenya and you have a lot of people in your in your diocese or in your province who are starving having a hard time make, making ends meet and you have programs trying to help them and then the and then the archbishop of canterbury or the english church shows up and says hey we're going to give you 10 million dollars to help fund this ministry and then you you take it and then what right then then you're stuck right you 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 i mean hopefully you're going to have enough integrity to still stand firm on orthodoxy but there's a lot of ways that you can convince yourself not to do the thing right instead so so money is one of the ways that the english church using actually money from america trinity wall street have has have subvert subverted the um or global south over the years so one of the big things that happened at global at the kigali and you can read about in the you can read about in the statement is that there was a there was a movement to create an endowment fund for gafcon what we want to get is at least $10 million and, and put that in as a beginning of an endowment. And if we can help, if we can help uh, impoverished churches um, and, and, and we're Orthodox, we can, we can prevent, we can kind of counteract the attempts to manipulate 
and buy off people um, by the by the heretics. So, so. Yeah, great. Well, we'll be in we'll be in prayer for that, Matt. Thanks for walking through Gafcon, the history of that, and the and the the commitment. Um, I'll put uh, once again, I'll put that commitment in the in the show notes. Uh, but I'll I'll leave us with this. So um, I want to read a, a a verse from Jude, which is basically just what Gafcon has been has been doing, and this is why it applies to all Christians. Really, this is uh, Jude three. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to contend for the faith. Every every generation, this commitment is a very encouraging application of that so very good thanks matt and thank you um to anyone who's listening and uh, lord willing we will see you next week Bye.